WildTalkRadio.com. Theme song! This is the Firefly Funhouse! And I want to introduce you to some very special friends that I've met along the way. Hey, this is Adam Copeland, a.k.a. the Rated R Superstar. Hey guys, this is Renee Paquette. This is Kane from WWE. This is WWE Superstar Drew McIntyre. Hello, this is WWE Hall of Famer, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Hi, this is Bree, and this is Nikki, and we're the Battle Twins. This is Christopher Daniels, and what I like to do on my office is listen to the rap, and now you are and it is awesome. Stratisfaction is guaranteed. It's time to experience the award-winning The Rack. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I love kickball. I'm back taking souls and digging holes. I'm going to break you, bitch. You hear me? You can love, but you can't touch. Ruthless <laughs> aggression. With your host. They've been lying to you. Heroes don't exist. Y'all become addicted to the illusion of what a hero does for you. Have I mentioned that I was uh, once addicted to eating sponges? Lindsay Ward. Look at me, woman. And you can just call me Taker. Oh my god, it's Taker. Taker, Taker, Taker. Does Taker hate me? Oh my god, it's Taker. And she was a wicked, wicked child who spat and swore and shoot to back. I like puppets. Stickers! And her producer, Sir Rockin. My little creatures of the night will now experience the magical art of puppetry. What the game is playing. Live on the Wild Talk Radio Network. We're here. Yowie wowie. So good evening, everyone. Welcome to Rack right here on twitch.tv slash lenshorror because we're not on whatstuckradio.com, rockradioshow.com, or over on twitch.tv slash WTR Live. We are live on my channel because Philadelphia cannot get its shit together and keep its power on. So that's what's going on. Um, so joining me this evening in place of the producer slash co-host slash handyman, I'm Lindsay Ward. We're brought to you by... Um, MBG Films, YouTube.com slash MBG1211. So joining me, instead of Rock, is the one, the only, the intern, Kane Kittens. Hey! What's up, everyone? Howdy, howdy. I mean, it, I, this feels weird. It's not Saturday. It's not, not Sunday. I mean, I feel like we should be talking NXT because that's when I used to join the show. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, Matt. I yeah. Mean, in theory, we could be talking about NXT breakdown if i had watched it we could (laughs) (laughs) but but a lot of wrestling last week there was a lot of wrestling it was a holiday weekend uh i did chores around my house so yeah that just choices were made i feel like they were quality choices but choices were made um so we are going to be talking night of champions we also have news notes no nxt um, but we do have Night of Champions that we're going to talk about, and, um, I'm not going to do a break. We're just going to go, god damn it, Matt. Um, <laughs> we are just 
choices in quotations. Yes, choices in quotations. Um, we're just gonna go right through, um, because I can't do the fancy productions, so Rock can figure out how he wants to do this later if he wants to put this out. I will give him the file. Or actually, no. You can just go grab the file, can't you? Because you have access to all that. He's the mod, so he can, he can go do all that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you got the sword, he can do his own damn job. Yeah, you know, whenever he stops slacking. That's what this really is, is. Look, look, you know what this is? You've upgraded from Philadelphia to Dallas. That's what this is. No, that's not it. Oh, well. <laughs> I think we went lateral with Philadelphia to Atlanta. I don't know. <laughs> Just mention a break somewhere? Okay, all right. You know, the show's going to go great until about, what, three-fourths of the way through, and then it may kind of falter a little bit. Well, it's already falling through, so it's fine. It's all good. By the way, uh, if you are new to this channel, thank you so much for tuning in. I would appreciate it if you would give the channel a follow. I normally stream Genshin Impact and uh, Honkai Star Rail. Uh, if those are not your games, I apologize. Um, but that is what I normally stream on this channel. It's not usually wrestling talk. So thank you very much for coming in and watching the channel. I appreciate it. Um, please give it a follow if you're interested. You can also fo- follow me over on YouTube, youtube.com slash at symbol lensward, lensward.rockradioshow.com, or look for lensward on YouTube, like, subscribe, ring the bell over there. You can also use my creator code lensward at the Genshin Impact Store, the Epic Game Store, um, to do all your things, because I am a hashtag epic partner. And you can follow Brent over on Twitter at Kittens, and he is normally on the Sunday night show over on twitch.tv slash WTR live, but he is here covering for Rock tonight. Um, Saturday night, by the way. And Saturday night, yes, he does CB Radio too. You do the Intern's Corner, right? Yes, I do. So, there you go. So, all right, let's get into the show. Brought to you by our friends over at mbgfilmsyoutube.com slash mbg1211. And we have stuff to talk about. And thank God you did not hurt anybody this week. Um, because, no, no, I did not. Yeah, you, you were good. I, I don't have any of the bumpers. I don't have anything, by the way. So, we're just going. Uh, this is like day one show all over again where we didn't have anything and we just went for it. So I'm just going to start at the top of the sheet. We're going to work our way down. Um, So congratulations are in order for both Alexa Bliss and Corey Graves and Carmella because Alexa Bliss announced that she and Ryan Cabrera are expecting their first child this past week. And then Corey and Carmella announced that they are having a boy. Mazel to both of them. Um, I do have to say I loved Alexa's uh, announcement, which was, I believe, them blowing up a balloon that said, oops. Is great. Is so great. <laughs> it was perfect. I mean, at least they're being honest. At least it's one of those things like, hey, didn't expect it, but good news. Yeah, very good news. I mean, well, it kind of kind of explains in part where she's been. I know she's been kind of dealing with some injuries and some other things, and, you know, we've all been sort of wondering where she is. And then this came out, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because she, it, tracking back, she's due in December at some point, so she got pregnant at sometime at the end of March, beginning of April, somewhere in there. Um, so, good honor. I mean, great honor. You know, they're they're an adorable couple, so they will have adorable children. Oh, they are so sweet together, and, like, watching her sing, like, some of the videos of, like, her singing with Ryan playing music, it's just like, oh, these two are so cute. It's adorable. And they're beautiful. They're gonna have beautiful children. Um, at least I hope they have beautiful children. Nothing wrong with it if they don't. But <laughs> they, they, they're pretty people tend to have pretty kids. Uh, 
Anyway, moving on from the awkwardness. The Undertaker's one dead man show is coming to the United Kingdom this summer in conjunction with Money in the Bank weekend. The Undertaker will perform four shows starting on July 1st at the Indigo at the O2 Arena, July 2nd at the Civic at the Halls of Wolverhampton, July 3rd at Albert Hall in Manchester, and on good old July 4th at the O2 Academy, Academy, I almost said Academia, that's not right, Um, in Glasgow. Wrong thing. Can you play? She ta- can you tell she plays Genshin? God, I can't even talk. I'm not used to this. It's it's a thing. It happens. So yeah. So tickets, I believe, are getting ready to go on sale. Or they already have gone on sale. Um, so Undertaker's been making the rounds in terms of the press, and he's been doing a lot of interviews. Lucky bastards. Um, I hate them all. Just kidding. Maybe, maybe <laughs> one day. Maybe I wouldn't be able to interview him. I would shut down. I had heart palpitations with Kane. So you know. It's it's a thing. You can do it with Mark. It's fine. He's he's got pl- you know he's done plenty of interviews. And besides, you know he doesn't talk a lot, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, but still, the only thing I could hope is he takes mercy on me because I would be a girl. Um, so it's like I would be- just ask like one question of like, so what do you think of Longhorn football? And just let him go. Probably, probably. Yeah. So how do you feel? Uh, the Longhorns are going to do this upcoming college season. Fifteen minutes later. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Can we get a bumper? <laughs> It'd be worth it. It would be worth it. So if you want to go hang out with The Undertaker uh, and you're in the UK, please go ch- go buy the tickets. Uh, I hear it's a really good show. I'm, I would kind of hope you would come to Atlanta um, at some point, but they never bring anything to Atlanta. So not after that whole last debacle that happened. <laughs> so... <laughs> But you know the thing the thing is with him it's um you know the show's going to be interesting just because it's probably going to be just an extension of like the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. and oh my god that was entertaining. I've said this before and I've said this again what I really love with what he's doing because I know in part these are being filmed by WWE is they're getting the oral history of his life and his career. Um and I think that's really important to get. Like, I, I feel like they should, and it's the same thing with, like, Austin, with having him do his podcast and having him do all these shows and they're swapping stories and with, like, the A&E's e, A&E series. Mm-hmm. Don't know what's wrong with me tonight. But the A&E series uh, where they're going and they're finding the artifacts and they're telling the stories of the artifacts and they're swapping stories and they're doing all the things like that. I feel it's important to capture that history in both an oral form and a video form to preserve it. Because there's so much from, like, the early days of wrestling that we have just from an oral history, but it's kind of lost because obviously it wasn't videoed. And then we get into the 70s and 80s and the 90s and we we have all that on video. So I think it's very, very important to continue to capture those stories, especially from people like The Undertaker, Mark Calloway, who has had, you know, one of the most pinnacle careers in the history of wrestling and get that get those stories and get those experiences and get those information so it can be passed on later yeah i think one of the important things about this is you were mentioning like the 70s and 80s and we have video but the video is always like what happens in the ring what what we're getting with mark what we're getting with steve and you know some of these a and w a e w c a a and e series there we go so we don't talk um, about that on the show uh, well, we may <laughs> here in a minute. Um, but when it comes to A&E, you know, like the rival show, or as you were talking about those most wanted treasures, you start to learn the stuff that happened behind the scenes. The stuff that, you know, back in the 80s, it was all kayfabe and no one ever talked about. 
But now you're getting that peek behind the curtain. One of my favorite episodes was like when they were trying to find the guitar that they broke over Jake Roberts' head. Mm -hmm. And he's explaining like, you know, yeah, he legitimately hit me with that. And it's it's what caused a lot of the problems I had in terms of, you know, like the painkillers and stuff. This is, and it's one of those things where you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it, it looked like a stiff shot, but you didn't realize, no, Honky did that for real because he screwed up and Jake just did not want to work with him or at that point just wanted his receipt. Yeah. And when it comes to Mark, you're starting to find out some of these things of like, one of my favorites was the um, the rivals where they talked about him and McFoley. Mm-hmm. And they're going through and you're start- you see the behind the scenes of the boiler room brawl. And Mark's explaining, like, oh, yeah, you know, I got cut up on the uh, on my elbow the night before when we filmed it, but I couldn't get it treated because we have to go back out to the arena the next night and actually perform in front of everyone, and I can't have it, like, taped up or stitched or anything. So he's like, I'm just sitting there with this open wound, like, well, gonna have to work with this. And then it's like, I think from one of Foley's books as well he talked about that in one of the books he wrote and he said that taker actually got like a staph infection i think because of that or he got a staph infection from something else like right before and and like because i think he had it right before the uh the boiler room brawl or something like that and yeah like they had to work through that as well like it's just it's to me it's important and to me it's cool that we are preserving that and it's even better to get to see it live because obviously he enjoys performing and this is this is healthy for him because this is a very good way to get him out in front of people, get him talking, and kind of scratch that itch that we know a lot of older wrestlers have a problem with, where it's like you go out and you're this big megastar and you're outperforming and you're basically a god, right? And then the day comes where your career is over and you just go back to being a dude, or a chick, right? And you just go back to being a regular person. Not that you weren't a regular person before, but you had that uh, aspect of wanting to be out and wanting to be performing again. So I feel like this is really healthy for him because he he's acknowledged he can't go anymore. Yeah, he mentioned sitting at WrestleMania this year and wanting to be in the ring again. No, Mark. No. Bad. Bad. No. <laughs> Get the spray bottle. Um, But it's, it, it's that kind of thing where he sits there and he sees that and he's like, God damn, I want to do that again. And this is, and it's like, it's not good for him because you see that with a lot of older wrestlers where they just want to keep going, right? Yeah. Well, and it's not just wrestlers, it's athletes. Like we've yeah. seen quarterbacks that. Tom Brady. You know, just, just say Tom Brady. Just say Tom Brady. No, I was, I was going to say Brett Favre. Him too. The guy who retires and then it's like, he, he sits around and he gets that itch and it's like, well. No, I, I can I can go again. So it's like he goes to another team and, and gives it a go. And yeah, they can still play, but it's also like, no offense, at the very end you were looking, you're like, they weren't the quarterbacks that they were, you know, the three years beforehand. But yeah, it's that this gives him a way to talk about wrestling. It gives him a way to be in front of fans. It gives him a way to satisfy that itch, as you said, without having to put his body through a lot of what he's had to. Because we've seen, like, he had to get injections for his hip. He's had to get surgery on his hip and knees. That's not easy stuff, and it's something that will really take effect on you after a while. Yeah. And, yeah, because his heart is with the business. It's I've long said this about Taker. Wrestling, and to an extent WWE, but really wrestling, is his first wife. 
it's it's what he loves it's it's his heart and soul he loves his family and don't don't think that he doesn't but it's that that is that is his passion that's what he wants to do that's what he's given his life to like you look at his career and he gave what 30 plus years to the industry he sacrificed his body he sacrificed his personal life he sacrificed really everything he could sacrifice to an extent i mean he didn't go all the way but he he made huge sacrifices to achieve what he achieved and that's what he that's what he loves and so it's him trying to sort of settle back into a normal life so i think this is i think it's good for him i think it's great for him at some point i wish they would like record it and put it out like when he's done with all of them mm-hmm. and he's not going to do it anymore that they take they take the different shows and they put them together and they put them out as like a special where it's him telling the stories cuz i think it's from what i remember about it i think it's different stories each time or it's the same stories and i think you can like q and a him or something yeah and he'll tell different he'll talk about different things so each one can be completely different which is really cool cuz yeah, I, I think because oh, I think it's like people are going to ask the stock standard questions, but there's some people that are just going to come up with something fucking obscure from his career. And he's going to be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that. So, so tell us about that one time in WCW. Oh, OK. When you were mean Mark Kelly, what was it like wearing trunks? So when are you going to admit that you and Stephanie McMahon are actually married? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the thing that would be interesting is if they did. Because, I mean, you see this with, like, comedy tours. You see this with other kinds of stage performances. They'll choose one and be like, this is what we're going to record for, like, a video. And sometimes it'll be, like, two sets worth. Or maybe it'll be like, okay, we'll break up the UK tour and do, like, okay, some footage from this, some footage from this. And, like you said, splice it together to be one comprehensive, not, you know, dead man show. But, yeah, they they could make some some good money out of that because there's people and i mean i'll admit i'm one of them i'm not going to be able to like fly out to the uk to go see this kind of thing or you know i might not be able to afford a trip across country to go to the pay-per-view and then spend additional money to be able to hear mark talk so if you had access to this and either was like a network special or you sold it as a dvd would be great especially for long-term wrestling fans to be able to hear, like you said, some of these stories and some of these anecdotes from possibly the biggest character in the past 30 to 40 years. Yeah. So all that being said, go. Go buy the tickets. Go do the thing. Um. So moving on, let's see. Kayla Balgard, a WWE NXT talent who performs under the name Kale Dixon, will become the second professional wrestler after Impact Wrestling star Kenny King to compete on ABC's The Bachelorette. Girl, don't do it. Or don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I mean, it's cool for them, but don't do it. I, I, I will say I am I am a little out of my depth on this topic. <laughs> I have not seen The Bachelor or Bachelorette. The last I know, it was like Jesse Palmer had been one of the competitors. You know, former backup quarterback of the New York Giants. And it's like, oh, okay. But in general, I mean, I don't really watch that. But to be fair, this is one of those things of WWE ends up in a lot of different media. I mean, Alexa was on... um, Mass Singer. Mass Singer. You've got... Um, this, The Miz has his own show, uh, Bianca and Montez are getting their own show. WWE is really kind of has a wide net of all the stuff that they're involved in. It's kind of weird that it's, you know, they have someone on ABC now. 
Yeah. I, say, I don't think I don't think WWE is on anything ABC. So well, I think they're kind of like doing that. That sort of like they're trying to get into all brands because you know that's what you want to do, right? It's relevancy. It's media presence. It's especially as you're going into TV negotiations and with a sale, because UFC is sort of media agnostic in certain regards, and I think that's what they're trying to take WWE two is like or wwe is trying to move in that direction where they just don't do nbc it's all right we're going to do anybody that's basically willing to let us on um so i think that's good for them because again it's a relevancy thing it's it's getting your name out there that's how it's free advertising or semi-free advertising for them because it's you know for alexa it's wwe superstar alexa bliss on the mass singer and that made headlines and that's what you want right is yeah. you're you're introducing your audience it's 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 the same and when they started doing the reality shows with like total divas and everything else as people shit all over them but it was great marketing is wonderful marketing for the company because it got the women out in front of people and it got people interested in the women's division and that's what helped spur the women's revolution that's why the women's division isn't a large part where it is today is because you had people take interest in the women Whereas before, there was an interest, but it wasn't nearly there. You had people who had never watched wrestling before watching Total Divas and watching Total Bells and going, I really like them. And then, you know, it's like, oh, hey, I want to I go to a show to see them. Or, you know, I wanted to see them wrestle at WrestleMania and their, mask got, their match got cut. And I'm mad about it. And give, give Divas a chance trends for two days. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of presence. So I think it's wonderful that they're they're doing that. So I joke about it because I don't really like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. I don't watch it. Um, I think it's I think it's an incredibly shallow thing. But if it makes him happy, go off. Um, so yeah, I had to I had to Google to make sure. Um, I just saw The Bachelorette and I was like, oh no! It's like don't do it. Um, so yeah, so go him. I hope he wins. You know, if he's on the show and he's looking for his Ms. Wright, more power to you. Hope it works out. Um, I Honestly, it's probably going to be a bit of a train wreck. But, you know, for ABC, if it's an entertaining train wreck, then they got what they wanted to out of it. I just, okay, so we're going to go on a tangent because Rock's not here and he can't stop me. Um, <laughs> hey, your show. I don't understand why they persist with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, because I think only one couple out of the entire set of shows, both of them, has ever gotten married. I think there's been one or two total. But I think there's only one that's still together. Oh, is that the... what the hell was her name? Like, way back at the beginning. Yeah, I think they're still together, but, like, everybody else is either not gotten married or um it's ended in divorce or what have you so it's like how is this a good representation of finding love when it doesn't work out ever trista rain and ryan sutter yeah the first ever bachelorette yeah like they're still together but like everybody else i think they've they're not together anymore I just, I don't feel like it's an accurate representation. Again, if you like it and you love it, that's you. It's not for me. But I just, it's like, why are we still persisting in this when it's, it's, um, not a thing? Like, my favorite version of it is Joe Millionaire. (laughs) Where the guy openly lies? Where the guy openly lies. (laughs) That was my favorite incarnation of reality dating. Because it's a spoof. There's also a trash, um... TV movie that probably nobody's heard of. It's called I Want to Marry Ryan Banks. No, I have not heard that one. 
it's it was like on ABC Family like way back in the day. Um but it's it's based around like The Bachelor where he's like a washed up movie star and his best friend is I think it actually has um oh shit. Um I want to marry Ryan Banks, a 2004 movie. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I was going to say briefly. It's got Bradley Cooper in it. Is one of the first things I think Bradley Cooper did cuz he ends up he wow. He plays the best friend who ends up with the chick. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's that kind of shit that I like. It's like the, but the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, it's like, it's so just ridiculous. But again, if you enjoy it, go off. And with that, I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to watch it, go watch I Want to Marry Ryan Banks. It's actually not a bad movie. Um, if you're into trash TV, there was a second Joe Millionaire, but I don't think it did much. No, because by that point, everybody knew out of the bag. And it's one of those things where it was like, I remember when they did the Joe Schmo show where it was like, oh yeah, there's one person who doesn't know that this is fake. I, and that was back with that was, I think, like Kristen Wiig's like first big thing. She was an improv person that ended up on that show. And yeah, it's like when you have that kind of show where it's a surprise, it's kind of hard to emulate that again. That's why something like Undercover Boss sometimes I look at and I'm like, this has to be kind of fake because you look at the people and they get, you know, like toupees or, you know, like wigs and all this stuff and they're horrible at whatever job they do. And it's like, part of me just wants to look at and go, some of these people don't know who the CEO of the company is? I'm going to be really, really honest with you. We were at a company Christmas party. Oh no. Our president was there. I didn't know it was him. (laughs) Okay. like, I know what he looks like, and I know his name, but, like, seeing him in person, because before this, I had never seen him in person. I'd only ever seen him over, like, Teams calls with bad lighting and everything, so to see him in person, like, three-dimensionally, I was like, who is that guy? And he wasn't talking to anybody, like, he was just walking around. And so, but, it, like, all the all the ELT would walk up to him, and they were all, like, glad-handing and stuff. I was like, oh, oh, and then they introduced him, and I was like, oh, Okay. So I could see for like, especially for like some of the bigger companies that you wouldn't necessarily know what the CEO or the president would look like. Well, I get that part as well. I think the other aspect of it, though, is, is you have that camera crew that's persistently following them. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's this person who's on a reality show to earn their own, you know, to like get seed money to start their own like UPS store. And that's when I go. Wait, wait. So you're yeah. You're telling me that's going to be a reality show of, like, this guy is trying to win a contest so that he can open his own, like, bakery, and we work for 31 Flavors? Hang on. This seems weird. Well, you see, now, in the good old modern times, where there is social media and you can Facebook stalk people, including yeah. your coworkers, um, not that I've done that, but I've totally done that, um, you can do that. And so it's like, if they don't have the, you, it's getting to the point now where you have to set up like fake social media accounts and you have to do all this stuff to, you know, cover. And it's slightly ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I give, I'll, I'll give you on the camera crew because they're like, oh yeah, we're, we're doing a training video. Cause there was one that they did where Steph went undercover. Remember? Right. And yeah, I, cause that was like Jake Atlas was one of the people that she found. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, they're, they're trying to do things with her and they're like, uh, and with them, it's like, there's cameras always around. So it makes sense that they're just filming something because you never know what they're filming. And like, for me, I work for a media company. So there's always cameras and they're always doing stuff and, and things. So for me, it wouldn't bother me. But yeah, if you work at like an Arby's and a camera crew fucking shows up, you're like, what? Oh, oh God, are they, are they talking about, you know, our recent health inspection? No, no, no we're good. Okay. Okay. Okay, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. Um, moving on to a a of the e of the w's. Um, we've, we we I forgot to mention them in the congratulations, but Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello have announced that they are having a child. So congratulations to them. They did it in the most extra way possible, like you at do the pay per view, like you do. I mean, you yeah, know, I well, I mean. This comes from the guy who had his public proposal to his first girlfriend on TV. That didn't end well. Good job. And then ended up, ended up with this one, where I think they just eloped. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but but for all intents and purposes, congrats to Sammy, congrats to Ty. Um, they both look really happy. Uh, I don't know if it was meant to get Sammy over as a face for their match, but it it certainly did that in that moment. Hey, you know, you do what you gotta do in the moment. <laughs> like, you know, they, they've, well, the relationship, I think, has been super public on TV anyway. So, like, it makes sense that they, they just do it like this. So, I guess, I don't know. There's, there's shrugging going on right now. Cause, mm, yeah, I, 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 mean, I don't know. It, it kind of explains why she has also been away a little bit. Although, to be fair, the AEW's women, women's division, you don't really know where some people are at all at some points. So, yeah. I I would agree. I I mean I would agree with that based on what I hear with, from you and Rock, but I don't know because again I don't really watch. They, they get they get one TV match per show per week. There you so go. like with Dynamite, you you get one women's match with which this week was uh, Chris Statlander versus Nyla Rose on Rampage. They have a women's match for a title that's not even really in their company, the New Japan Open Strong, whatever. Whatever one that uh, Mercedes was supposed to win, but they had to do an audible because her ankle went bye-bye. Uh, but yeah, they get like one match per week. And so there's talk of, you know, with this other show happening, oh, maybe it's like, yeah, they'll get one more match per week with a women's roster, you know, the size that they have. It feels just kind of eh. Although I guess technically they did have the intergender match in their main event too, so we'll count it. I guess it counts. <laughs> I I I don't know. We can count it. We'll count it. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to call an audible and count it. Um, anyway, in a not so shocking yet completely shocking announcement, um, because AEW never has shocking announcements ever, um, CM Punk is going to be returning at uh, the new show AEW Collision. This has long been speculated. Um, this is Punk's return after the unfortunate um, backstage incident. Uh, he's been gone. Bra- brawl out. Brawl out. Um, so this is his first appearance in almost a year for AEW. Um, so we'll see how this goes. I will say that, uh, the reaction to his return is somewhat mixed. Um, people are not as excited as I think they originally yeah. thought they would be. Yeah, the, so this has been drawn out a little longer than I think people anticipated. And you guys talked about this last week with, the issues that had been happening behind the scenes with Punk and um, Ace Steel coming back, but not working in person. 
so there's there's been a lot of like well is punk fully back you know can we count on it that's why they've done like part of this piecemeal announcement it's like okay yeah we have collision and i think they wanted to be able to announce up front collision chicago cm punk because that's where you're going to get a lot of your ticket sales especially in chicago like yes get it announced get everyone out the door but they didn't know if they had punk locked up so it's like okay we have collision but we can't say where it's at yet and then it's like okay we can now say it's chicago but it still felt like i don't know if they can do you know announce punk because is it fully locked up and then when they were like we have another major announcement for the debut i was like okay yeah now they're gonna say it's punk but this has gotten to the point where it's like if next week they go we have another big announcement about collision it's really gonna turn into the meme yeah of, of like tony has a major announcement about the parking for collision but yeah this was the worst kept secret in the world everyone knew when they got the new show it was gonna be punk and also because it's a way of getting him away from the people who he's not really cool with still yeah that's that's a whole interesting thing um <laughs> i'm not sure how i feel about that i mean here's my thing and i said this last week if he is willing to come back if he is willing to make amends if he is willing to play nice and all of that is willing to happen on the other side of the fence then it's all cool Right? Like, if he is truly penitent and he f is showing remorse for what happened and they're showing remorse for what happened, then it's water on the bridge. Right? My concern is that he's incredibly polarizing. And it's to the point that we were getting reports, and obviously you take everything with a grain of salt because it's all wrestling dirt sheets, um, that the locker room hates him and nobody wants anything to do with him and everybody's tired of him and everybody's sick of his shit. And like, you know, this whole, the whole thing of, is he getting fired? Is he not getting fired? You know, is he trying to get fired? Does he want out of his contract? You know, he was never there for the boys or the girls. He was always there for himself. You know, all these different reports coming in flying and they're not the most flattering reports. And you and I and Rock all said this when he got hired was, how long is it going to take? Because he has a reputation, yeah. right? He has the reputation of being a firebrand. He has a reputation of being difficult. He has the reputation of being problematic. We all know this. Said all this last week. Um, so it's the question of, is that all behind him? Or is he just playing nice because he wants money? And how long will this last before he decides he's had enough? Yeah. The, the funny thing about when they announced Collision was when that press release first hit and they announced the people who were on it. It's like, oh, featuring headliners like Andrade El Idolo, Miro, Thunder Rosa. And it started to become that like, okay, you're mentioning all the people that the internet has said, whatever happened to dot 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 that we've never seen. And you were still waiting for like the big name to drop because it was that like you need, you know, it, it, this was going to be Phil's vehicle. But now... It's like, okay, yeah, you've given Phil essentially his own show, but you're also going to have to be like, there's certain people who are probably going to work that show. There's people who may float between shows. We've heard that it's not going to be a hard brand split. There was the joke that there were, or there was the, the rumors, like, you know, oh, maybe there will be a hard brand split, you know, to show WWE how it's done, haha. But with the roster the way they do, it's almost like they probably should have some people over there that can get featured that don't end up on dynamite because you've only got two hours and i'll say this right now you can put as many people in you as you want to on dark and dark elevation no one knows no one cares yeah it's the same thing with ring of honor 
I'm sorry for all of you Ring of Honor fans that are like, oh no, this is so great. I can't tell you five people on that Ring of Honor roster that aren't the floaters that end up on AEW, like Claudio and Wheeler and Samoa Joe. Other than that, I mean, I guess the kingdom is there with Mike Bennett and Matt Taven, but I don't know, and are you really going to have that as appointment watching TV? When it comes to Collision, it's like, this needs to be your actual, like, 1A style show. This needs to be something where you put big names on it, and you feature them, and you get them to rival Dynamite the way that sometimes SmackDown kind of rivals Raw, where, you know, it's like SmackDown is your wrestling show, Raw is where you go for, like, you know, your your sports entertainment storylines, it needs to kind of be that way. And yeah, you have Rampage as your one hour, hey, let's feature this young up and coming kid that will never see TV except for in a blow off match. Mm -hmm. So, but it's like you were waiting for Punk to be announced, Punk's being announced. But now that it's his show, he needs to deliver. He needs to stick around. He needs to be the main eventer that he's wanted to be, as well as help other people. And that's going to be the big thing. Will he help? Or will he just be Phil until he's had his fill and wants to take his ball and go home again? Yeah. LeMan says, will people buy tickets? Sure. But the ratings for his show on Saturday weren't, are not going to be good. I don't care who's on it. No, I I would agree with that. People will buy tickets. The, the issue is, as well, with the polarization is that it's creating a split in the fan base. And Rock and I were kind of talking about this last night. I think you were there as well. Where yeah. it's, are you an elite person or are you a CM Punk person? And it's causing a not-so-good divide in the fan base, because obviously wrestling fans can gatekeep, wrestling fans can be, pardon the pun, elitist, right? And so, especially within that fan base, you don't want your audience to be like, well, I'm not going to watch Collision because CM Punk's on that show. Or, oh crap, now it's, well, I really want to watch Dynamite, but that's the elite show and I want to stay loyal to Punk because I know people like that, that it's like, I will only watch this because this person's on it and I'm not going to have anything to do with anything else because they're not on it. Like, that's how some fans are. And it's that can be toxic and that can spread where you're creating a divide in your fan base. So, yeah, people will buy tickets. People will watch it. Um I think the ratings, I, I agree that the ratings are going to be bad because I think it's a bad slot. I think Turner is looking to fill space. And so they're like, okay, yeah, you want to go on a Saturday night, even though that's a quote unquote pride time slot. It's going to get preempted. It's going to have to deal with football. It's going to have to deal with a lot of other shit. And so it's not going to be a great place for them. Like their best placement is Dynamite. They got the good TV slot for Dynamite. And then for the additional TV shows, they're like Turner and Warner and everybody else are like, okay, yeah, you know, we'll give you 10 p.m. on a Friday night. We'll give you whatever time on a Saturday night. And you can have that time and you can fill it because it's easier for us to fill it with your content than something else. Um, And that's really kind of what's going on is it's like, well, we can run reruns or we can run syndicated series in these spots or we can run AW. Well, and the other thing is, is a lot of the people that are like, ooh, I'm so excited that it's on Saturday night. Rock and I have talked about this, and I think you, you've you also chimed in. This is like old school WCW. Mm-hmm. And that's they're, they're doing this for the nostalgia. Hell, if you look at the graphics, they're pulling in Nitro visuals to make that connection more. It's Tony going, see, haha, WCW, we know you like nostalgia, come on over. This this is WCW Saturday night when it started at 6.05 on TBS. And all of the people that love that 
that cheap nostalgia are going to be like, oh my god, this is so great. It's like the NWA power starting at 605. Mm -hmm. It's trying to harken back to that. The problem with it is back in that day, you didn't have the colossal thing known as college football. And during a fourth of your year, you're going to get annihilated by ESPN, you know, Fox, ABC, and every other channel that's going to be showing some form of football. And especially because, you know, in the heartbed of what pro re you know of pro wrestling and everything that sec group ain't going to be watching wrestling if bama georgia missouri all them are playing at that time i'll be real nobody watches missouri i understand i'm just i'm sec football is what i was trying to say are they really part of the sec i mean are they really i mean they're, they're in a division within the sec i don't know if we'll fully call them sec football but still i digress it's one of those things, you know, LSU. It's that kind of group where you're watching, you know, those people have been tailgating since 9 a.m. for a 7 o'clock kickoff, and they're going to be at the game or watching the game or, you know, at a sports bar. They're not going to be watching AEW. But, as we all know, AEW will cook the books and be like, oh, no, it's DVR plus 7 for these ratings. So, look, we're pulling in 3 million views that way. But whatever. It's... Them getting another show is good. Them being on Saturday isn't the best thing. And then also you're going to have like basketball during part of that seat. I have a feeling if these ratings are sitting there at like 500,000 people, it's still going to be good overall. But you're going to hear all those excuses of, oh, well, if it wasn't for football, we would be pulling in a million. No, you wouldn't. Not even on a Saturday. Uh -uh. No. So we'll see. Moving on. At long last, it's coming. Finally, AEW Fight Forever has been announced and the Elite Edition has been announced. This is, I would guess, an exciting one. I don't know. I'm not going to play the game. Um, but for those that are interested in playing the game, the, the Fight Forever Elite Edition is available for, for both console and PC. It includes early access on June 28th. Yes. So you can download it now, but you have to wait till June 28th. So it's just going to sit there. Um, you can also get Matt Hardy plus Broken Matt Hardy attire, not the character, the attire, um, and a season one pass, which includes Dex Harwood, Cash Wheeler, The Bunny, Keith Lee, Hook, and Danhausen, plus four mini games. This is in addition to all the other features of the game that is coming. Thoughts? When it comes to the fact that Cash Wheeler and Dex Harwood are part of the DLC, that makes me think that they didn't know if they were going to be coming back. Mm -hmm. And it's that we don't want to put them on the full roster because we'll end up with that Cody situation of Cody's with someone else now. <laughs> so we're going to wait and see if they sign that contract. And if they do, we can put them in the DLC that's going to come out or, or that will be available with like this pre-order. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Because, I mean, they've been multi-time tag team champions. They were, you know, featured fairly well on AEW TV. And they're part of this, like, special pack. And then, you know, like, Keith Lee, I understand, because it was like, you know, he got added a little late. He's been hurt. So what? Do we and then also because he keeps changing his look. It's like, okay, I get that. Danhausen, sure, because you need to have Danhausen in the game for all the people. Overall, every time I see something from this game, it looks worse and worse. It 
they keep adding like stuff for the bells and whistles, but when you look at the the actual wrestling, the main crux of this game, it doesn't feel good. But you're still going to have people that will talk this up as if it's the greatest game to be released ever. It's part of the Echo Chamber group. I want to see what happens to the people that aren't part of that Echo Chamber and how that is reviewed. I would agree with that. Because this is a big nostalgia get as well. This is all hearkening back to No Mercy and, um, what was it, uh, WrestleMania 2000 for the for the uh, N64. That's what this game is supposed to feel like. That's what a lot of people, you know, when they announced it and Kenny was like, oh, we want to make a game. Everyone's like, oh, yes, do that, which is fine. It's just, no offense, when I look at that and then you place it next to, like, WWE 2K23. Mm-hmm. 2K23 looks like you're actually watching a wrestling show. Does it have bugs? Sure, it has some. But, I mean, for the most part, the gameplay is entertaining and smooth with this the fact that you have to add mini games into this the fact that people are going oh my god look you can ride your skateboard around the ring and like jump over people with it like i said this is all bells and whistles stuff to cover up the fact that the game itself is probably not that great they've been working on this for a while I was gonna say, yeah, this has been highly delayed. This is, it's been anticipated, but it's also been highly delayed. It's had a lot of problems. Um, we reported, I think, last year that it was running into money issues where they were having to cut things as a result of the fact that they just didn't have enough money. So it would be interesting to hear if they just went ahead and poured more money into it or if they just cut their losses. But yeah, I mean, the mini games are kind of something that that's what everybody shut up shit all over 2K24 for WWE was all the mini games on top of all the other problems it had. Um, and it's not, I will give them one thing on the graphics. It's not meant to be, I feel like, hyper-realistic like what 2K23 is. Right. It's meant to look like a video game and feel like a video game, so that's fine. Um, I I do have an issue with the blood. Oh, I yeah. yeah, no, no, that that visual they put out was, was bad. It was horrible. It... Again, for for me, blood just doesn't do it for me in wrestling. Do I think it's appropriate at times? Yes. Do I think the amount of blood that is used in AEW is appropriate? Mm, Not really. And I think to have that much blood, especially in a video game, it's not my thing. It doesn't do it for me. I it it could not be in there, and I would be fine with it. It could be in there, and it's it's kind of like eh, whatever. I know some people are excited for it. I know some people are horrified about it. Like to me, I just think it's over excessive at this point. Um, because it's like, oh my god, look, we have blood and it goes all over the map and it looks like somebody's dead um because there's so much blood but it's fine it's it's whatever it's not my cup of tea but it's somebody else's so they will enjoy it um but if you're interested in downloading it like i said you can you can order it and you can pre-install it um it will not be available until june 28th so you do have to wait for it um or you can wait until june 28th and you can purchase it and you can play it um they've been releasing content out about it i've seen some tweets where they had some content creators come in and play the game with the wrestlers um so they had like uh jay cargill there they had adam colenberg baker there um they had a few others playing the game with some content creators so i think that's all out on AEW and AEW games twitters so if you want to go check that out go ahead i still i still think one of the funniest things about this entire thing AEW has a trios championship. They do not have a six-man tag mode. Nope. That is a huge oversight. <laughs> Didn't think about that, especially since, like, you're known for the elite. Yeah, you're used to, like, the Young Bucks and Kenny, or 
the Bucks and, you know, Hangman or, you know, House of Black. You can try and put them together. Nope. It's either going to be just a tag team or I don't know what the biggest multi-man match you can have is. But yeah, it's fully limited. Six-man tags weren't a thing in 2020. That is a lie, sir. For me, blood is just something they use when they can't tell a story in the ring, like Game of Thrones every time they insert a sex scene in an episode. Yep, I would agree with that. LeMans, 100%. Um, Not in AEW for those six-man tags. So, all right. I think... Oh, wait. No, there's one more story for the other. So, Jordan Grace has also wrapped up her uh, tenure in Impact Wrestling, and she is moving on. So, hope she does great things. Yeah, she's she's done well for Impact, multi-time champion. Um... Rumor has it that, you know, the a big the two big companies have interest in her, though she may want to, you know, simply work the indies. She was there with her husband, Jonathan Gresham, in Impact, but, you know, best of luck to her where she goes, and we'll just need to see where that will be sometime soon. Yeah, agreed, so best of luck. And with that, we are going to take a break, or we're going to try to take a break. Um, so, and we're not doing Tweet of the Week, because Brent doesn't have tweets. Um, and neither do I. So when we come back, um, we're going to be talking all about Night of Champions, which was this past Saturday on the Peacocks and the WWE Networks. So you don't want to miss it. You're listening to The Rack right here on WallTalkRadio.com, and we will be right back. Are you following us on twitch.tv slash WTR live? Do you have Amazon Prime? If so, you can link it to your Twitch account and subscribe to our Twitch channel for free with Twitch Prime. It's the easiest way to help support us for free. This just into the CB Radio News Desk. CB Radio is moving. Sources tell us that CB Radio is moving to a brand new start time. Wait a minute, sources tell you what? Sources tell us that CB Radio is moving to a new start time of 11.30pm Eastern. Are these the same sources that said that Fuzzy Wuzzy wasn't a bear? Confirmed. I don't know if we can trust it. Trust the sources, CB Radio is now going to be live every Saturday night, 11.30pm Eastern, 8.30pm on the Pacific. But what about midnight-ish? Still midnight-ish Atlantic time. That's a relief. We are still your only excuse to be home on a Saturday night. Just earlier. Like what you hear? Subscribe to The Rack on Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Rack Radio Show. And while you're there, leave us a review and tell us your thoughts on your favorite show on a Thursday night. Every Monday night, once Monday Night Raw ends... The Raw Post Show goes live. You want to hear a story? Get the hell yeah. Join Lindsay and Sir Rockin' as they give their opinions on what they liked. What? What they didn't like. What? And what left them completely confused. What? It's The Raw Post Show. What? Monday nights. What? 11 p.m. Eastern. What? Live on the Wild Talk Radio Network. And that's the bottom line. Go, 
every Sunday night. The evolution continues with Wrestle Talk Radio, giving you all the latest happenings in sports entertainment. With the intern, the producer, the original Tim Stein, and sometimes, a K-Sheep. It's WTR Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain, only on the Wild Talk Radio Network. Did you know you can use support a creator code ROCKNSOCK in the Fortnite item shop? That's R-O-C-K-N-S-O-C-K in the Fortnite item shop. That's a hashtag ad, because we are a hashtag epic partner. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you are listening to the Rock Radio Show on Wild Talk Radio. TV slash Lens Ward. Um, please follow the channel if you're enjoying the content. I would appreciate it. You can also check me out on YouTube, youtube.com slash lensward.com, or just look for Lens Ward on the YouTubes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Lens Ward. You can check out our sponsor, youtube.com slash mbg films no mbg films youtube.com slash mbg 1211 there we go there's a proper plug you can follow brent over on um twitter at kane kittens we're normally over on wildtalkradio.com rockradioshow.com or twitch.tv slash wtr live but philly's power structure is shit um so here we are and if they didn't throw all those batteries you know they'd be able to use it to power stuff i you know it's it's a thing it's it's completely a thing so anyway so we are back um, we are going to be talking Night of Champions, which aired this past Saturday on the WWE Network abroad and on Peacock here in the U.S. Uh, it was it emanated out of Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. This this was a show. This was a really good show. Yeah, there was some good stuff that came out of it. Um, they they booked this right um, from top to bottom. I don't have a ton of complaints about this show really at all. Um, it opened hot, it closed hot, it did everything that it needed to do. We have a lot of questions coming out of it. Some of them have already been addressed. Uh, we even had a little furry play as well with Seth. I have... What was he wearing? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. His pet play gear, I, I, I... It was cute. Like, he looked cute. Those shoulder pads would have made RuPaul blush. Oh, honey, those weren't shoulder pads. No, 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 no. Those were full-on puff sleeves. <laughs> those were... There was some support going on there. 
That's more than padding. Those are like True. like the almost the puffy leg of mutton sleeves that they used to wear back in the day. <laughs> and it was leopard print too. Um, but let's talk about it. So starting off, opening your show, it was the tournament final for the World Heavyweight Championship, the brand new Raw title, the Working Man's title, as they like to call it. Um, so you had Seth freaking Rollins taking on AJ Styles in a phenomenally good match. I would watch this again and again oh, yeah. and again. Well, we talked about this on Saturday, right? You know, after the the event happened, and you know when we did our thirty minute review of the show. You can go back and listen to that on CB Radio if you wanted. We did the Excalibur Challenge. Um, we're not doing this, that here. No, we're gonna we can actually talk about things. Um, for this, I understand the people who wanted to bitch about this about oh the title has just been introduced and you're immediately devaluing it by putting it on at the beginning of the show no no there are two spots you want to be on if you're working a show you either want to be at the very end the main event because it's the last thing people are going to remember or you want to be the first ones out because you set the tone for everything if you remember seth has fought a couple of times to kick off wrestlemania and they have been good matches it highlights him as a worker to be able to go out put that kind of match on because you know as soon as you get back behind the curtain he you look at everyone and you go that's the bar have a good time and you're done for the night everyone else has to now meet or exceed what you have just done and that's what seth and aj did in this match i don't see i still don't understand how putting it on first devalues it I really don't. I'm sorry. You're putting it on first. To me, that's actually a big compliment. Like, I know in the past, it's, oh, you put the curtain jerkers on first, and that that's protocol. But to me, it's when you have a show where you're running a triple main event, and they were advertising it as a triple main event, and this is one of the three matches that they are advertising for those main events, to put it on first, to let it open, to let it set the bar, to highlight the title, that this is the very first thing we're going to settle. This is the very first thing we're going to do, is we are going to make sure we crown a brand new champion, that we are going to set this standard in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. That's a history-making moment. One of two in Saudi Arabia. That's big. That's huge. And that's what people aren't necessarily seeing, is that Seth won the title, the, the inaugural title, in Saudi, and this is his second time, second, third, second for sure, time winning an inaugural title because he won the very first NXT title. Yeah, he won the first NXT, he lost the first Universal to Finn, but that had to be vacated immediately because of the um, the busted shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then this one, the inaugural World Heavyweight Championship. So if you're going to launch a title, you do it with Seth Rollins, clearly. Um, but yeah, this was, to me, this is not a devaluation of the title. They went for 20 minutes. It was a phenomenally good match. Um, again, it's something that I would watch back and forth. And to LeMans's point, you know, I think it, any other pay-per-view would have been last, but because of what went down in the Bloodline storyline, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. The way that you close the show, everything that you have booked on this show, to make sure that this got a spotlight, to make sure that this shined, to make sure that this was important, it had to go first. It had to. There's no other way around that. Like, if you stick it in the middle, it's just going to get lost. You can't stick well, it at the end. And the other thing that it did allow for is, if you put it on first, you got, with Seth winning, there was that interview that happened about halfway through the show 
And it lets him put over that title. It lets him talk about, like, I'm going to be at Raw. I'm going to be defending this every time I'm at Raw. Yeah. You now have put emphasis on it. It's like, yes, this is a must-see title. I've got to tune in to see who he's going to fight. I need to see who he wants to defend against. Because you've got Roman, and we all know, Roman ain't defending every week on SmackDown. Roman isn't even at every SmackDown. Mm -mm. But Seth is setting himself up to be the workhorse. Well, I mean, to be fair, and to rock what's saying, be ready for people to complain when it opens every mouth when Roman is booked. Well, that's what should happen. Roman has been champion officially for over a thousand days. So, you know, Roman has the right to go on last because he's the longest serving champion out of anybody that's currently in the company and several who are out of the company. So, yeah, he has the right to say, I want to be the main event. I want to close the show. And the other title can go wherever and you can put tension between Seth and Roman about whose title is more important should you ever wish to have them fight against each other. Oh, I know the outrage is coming. I know it's coming, but here's my thing. I don't think going on first means what it used to mean. I really do think, as we said, going on first is you set the standard. You set the bar. And you you look at everybody else and you go, fucking follow that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, if you listen to other media when, you t- when they have wrestlers on, you know, they talk about that fact of like, yeah, I enjoy going first. I want to be the person that sets the pace. I want to be the the thing that people see and get excited about. You've got the pre-show matches, and pre-show matches are exactly what they're supposed to be. Warm-ups, you know, get some people featured that wouldn't normally. When the show kicks off after all that pyro, you should know that first match is going to be something good. Look back during the early days of WCW. They would put a cruiserweight match on to get people excited. Mm -hmm. because it was fast-paced, high-flying. That's where you used to see, like, Eddie Guerrero, you know, uh, Rey Mysterio, Chavo, uh, Juventude. Hell, even Chris Jericho sometimes would would start a show in that cruiserweight spot. Why? Because, like I said, after that match, you were just like, whoa, we just saw something really cool for 15 minutes. I can't wait to see what's next. And with this, you got two veteran athletes going out there putting on a great match for 20 minutes slugging it out for a title and honestly it's one of those things like after that you're like yeah this title means something because those two put it all out there for that and then they carried it forward the next night by you know tagging and taking on uh the judgment day it's like yeah they're still featuring seth aj got to go out there and perform on monday night again it's featuring your best talents And if people want to complain that it went first, would you rather they end up somewhere in the middle, get lost kind of in the shuffle between uh, Rhea and Natty and, you know, Asuka and Bianca? Okay. People can have their outrage. They can deal with it. It'll be fine. But this was a really good match. This was fantastic. I enjoyed the heck out of this. The crowd was hot for it. Um, and in the end, Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins is your brand new world heavyweight championship. This was followed up by another hot one. And this got nasty. Trish Stratus taking on Becky Lynch. And we had a little assist. We were wondering if Trish was going to get a little help. And sure enough, she sure did, but not from who we thought because we had a, we had a wild Zoe Stark show up. Yeah. Out of nowhere. This was this was interesting because we we got a little bit of that blood feud between 
Becky and Trish throughout this match. We, we saw what happens when these two finally got their hands on each other. And Rock and I talked about this on Saturday. We got to see Trish healthy this time. Mm-hmm. When she worked at Mania, she wasn't fully there. She wasn't fully healthy. Now we got Trish healthy and we got Becky able to work with her and help her through. And it was just two people performing a dance in the ring and letting each other take the lead when they needed to and it was good it was really good we did not get alita we did not get alita no this was a to me this was a much better showing for trish as you said she was healthy they had way better chemistry because there was more on the line um they went for each other um yeah i enjoyed this a lot more zoe added something to the match becky actually got bloodied at the very end of the match, I think, from Zoe's move on the outside, because she had a bloody nose, which I find incredibly ironic, because they were pointing out that's how Becky sort of, stra- you know, catapulted herself as a bloody nose, and then she gets bloodied again um, in the process of finding Trish. But yeah, this was this was everything you needed it to be. Um, I think they would have gone just a little bit harder if they were here, but it is what it is. There are, I'm sure there were certain limitations, um, put on them based on where they were, but this was a really good match. The crowd wasn't as into this, um, as they were the first match, but then again, the first match kind of, I think, wore them out because they were starting to come back by the end. Yeah. It's, I think you were kind of waiting to see what was going to, what you were going to get out of Trish and Becky. And it's, it started to pick up a little towards the end. Um... When, when Becky got that close fall and Trish went to the outside, that's when it really kind of ramped up. Zoe came out of nowhere from under the ring. And I think a lot of people for a second were like, wait, who is that? Yeah, it's like, realized, what? But I, uh, I have to say it, um, kudos to Becky for selling the hell out of Zoe's move. Yes. The, the C360, which basically is just Becky doing a flip. And oh God, she made it look really good. Like she does. I mean, that's that's why she's the man. Well, and it's nice because Rock mentioned this before. This is putting a, a shine on Zoe because she's had two matches on Raw in three weeks. She's won both of those matches. Now she's paired with Trish, and she's taking out Beck. That's setting Zoe up to be a player in the women's division. That's how you can start to do that with someone you know coming up from NXT. Because I think when Zoe Stark was announced as a, you know, draftee from NXT, some people were probably going, oh, is is she ready? You know, she wasn't a featured player on NXT. But we're now starting to see, it's like, no, they think really highly of her. And she's starting to pull through with this. Yeah. It's it's the boost that Zoe needed. Because, unfortunately, it's like she started, like, down in NXT, she didn't have the best run. Because she was starting to get momentum. She was starting to get hot. They brought her in. They were pushing her in the NXT. And then she got hurt. And she was gone and she was gone and she was gone. And then she came back. And it was like they could never really get anything going with her after that. Um, really long term. And so they, they're they finally like, okay, all right. We know what we have in her. We want to pursue it. So we're going to push her up to the main roster. And they're trying again. And this time, yes, they're putting her with Trish. Which is similar to what they did with um, Austin Theory. And several others where they're putting her with a bigger name. They're having the bigger name help her get over. And so they can push her. Because she can be a major player in the women's division. She's incredibly talented. And she is what the women's division needs right now. Because they do need some new blood to come in. They do need some new blood to rile things up. Because, in all honesty, it has been tad stale. That isn't a shot at anybody in the division or their work or their performance or what have you. It's just been a touch stale. Because it's the same 
repetitive stuff over and over and over again because we have not seen new people and people have been out and are not coming back at a more speedy pace than what they have in the past. So she will be a good solid addition. Trish is sticking around to work with her and is going to be around for the foreseeable future for the feud with Becky, which will be fantastic. And all in all, this this did wonderful things. This did great things. Yeah, and I know that you had mentioned in the past, like, uh, I don't know if I really want, you know, something like uh, Trish and Lita in 2023, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're going, okay, we may get something like Trish and Zoe versus Becky and Lita, or... Who knows, maybe Becky will recruit someone young herself and kind of show Trish how to mentor someone. And that could be exciting. That could be something different where it's like you don't have to rely on Trish. You don't have to rely on that nostalgia. Or I'm sorry, on Lita and the nostalgia for this feud. You could pull someone new in. And if you do get another Becky and Lita, let's say, or Becky and Trish, sorry, at say... SummerSlam, you might be able to do a stip match on it to make it a little more interesting. You could, you know, you also, from what we've just seen, if they do happen to go again, I don't think I'd be opposed to it because both of them can go and they've shown that they can go. And what happens if they can take it up to, you know, third gear in that match? Right. We'll have to see. Moving on to our next match, we have... This wasn't as much of a showcase as what I thought it would be. Mustafa got a little offense in, but we had Gunter, complete with um, Imperium Entrance, taking on Mustafa Ali for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. And no surprise, Gunter won. Um, but this was a solid showing for Ali. He got a little offense in, but unfortunately, they just did not do the thing and left Gunter as champion, and he carries on to be champion for a year or very close to i think they said a year i think they said it's like right on a year or something like that it's it's really close if not it has hit the year point by now i think it i think it'll be about the middle of this month he hits the the official year point Mm -hmm. which is surprising because i go wow he's been up on the main roster for a year it's felt shorter than that to me it has it really really has it's like no because they said something about it at mania where they were like, they were talking about it. And it's like, yeah, he's been IC champion for almost a year. And I was like, no, he hasn't. That's a lie. He hasn't been up on the, he hasn't been, you know, up on the main roster a year. And then it's like, well, no, no, I, I guess he has. Yeah. Time's weird like but, that. But the other important thing about that is not just, you know, oh, he's been up there for a year. Oh, he's been holding the Intercontinental title for a year. They mentioned on the broadcast. There's only been two other people in the modern era to hold the Intercontinental title as long as he has. And that's the Honky Tonk Man, who has the record. And then the other is Macho Man Randy Savage. Those names are not anything to, you know, sniff at. Or, you know, like, put your nose up at. Those are two Hall of Famers. Mm -hmm. And Gunther has held that belt for a year and has made the Intercontinental title feel important. It makes whoever is going to take the belt off of him important because they will have conquered the ring general. And we can all be, yeah. And when it happens, it will be big. Kind of like what they did with Dragunov when he finally, like, dethroned Walter for the NXT UK title. Because that was a huge moment. And it was his second opportunity at it because he fought him the first time and it was a hell of a match, but he came up short. And the the whole story was... He wanted redemption. He wanted the second chance. And so he fought his way through, got to that point, and was able to beat Gunther. And I think for a lot of people, that was when you first noticed Ilya Dragunov. Yeah. 
because that was that was a hell of a contest and i think honestly you could tell a similar story where mustafa ali fights his way back i don't know if they're going to do it but whomever defeats gunter for the title because we talked about this last week that you can leave the ic title on gunter for a while you don't need to necessarily take it off of him right now because He's not quite ready to go for, I think he's on SmackDown, so he's not ready to go for Roman yet. Um, Because the, there's things happening in the bloodline, and until those things complete, you're, I wouldn't point Gunter at Roman. Um, I would leave him where he is, because he's perfectly fine where he is. And then when he's getting ready to potentially, because he could be the one that takes the title off of Roman, because that's the other thing. Roman Reigns has been champion for a thousand days. Somebody has to dethrone Roman, in theory. It could be Gunter, which would be a huge rub for Gunter that you make him the title, the the champion. And then it's, oh, God, we have to take the title off of Gunter. Oh, no. It's like, yay, Roman's no longer champion, but fuck, it's Gunter. You know, <laughs> it's like, what do we do? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Yeah, you go you go from one monolith to the next. Which, honestly, I'm okay with. I, I don't want to see another Thousand Day Raid. I'm just going to say that right now. I do not want to see another Thousand Day Raid. Ro- Roman can really stop raiding, and he can just let the title go at this point. It's fine. We're all, we're all very pleased as punch for him, but... Because um, Gunter held... I think Gunter is the longest reigning UK champion. Yeah, hang on. He had it for... I want to say he had it for like two or three years. Uh... Yeah, hang on, where's the number? Live Googling. Live Googling on the show, everybody. Here we go. 870 days. That's two and a half years. Yeah. We don't need to go that long again. It's fine. He can hold it for... I'm cool to go back to like six to eight months. Um, Roman's going to hold the title at least another nine months. Probably. Probably. Um, But after that... He can let it go, and he doesn't need to be championed again for a long ass time, if ever. He doesn't I, need. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you. I think that when he drops that belt, that is the last time he's probably going to be champion for a while. I think at some point you can go back to it, and you could probably do a series of short little runs with him after that. But yeah, he's been champion for over a thousand days. He doesn't need to have it anymore. Let somebody else I, have a turn. I I think he. I think he uh, once he drops that belt, he may not be long for WWE anymore. That's entirely possible. Um, I kind of view what he's going to do is similar to what Cena does, where he's going to go back and forth for a while. And with Cena, they did put the title on him a few more times, just because you need somebody who's that really solid carry. And Roman is, at this point, the really solid carry for SmackDown in terms of if you need to put a title on somebody. You do have other options there, but if you absolutely have to do it, especially for, like, press or anything else, you can put it on Roman and you know he's good to go. Um, But obviously, you have Cody lurking, you have other people lurking that could definitely take the title and run with it if they need to. Um, But Roman should not have the title for at least a year, if not more, after he loses it. Um, similar to what, I'm trying to think, similar to what they did with Cena, where they just took Cena out of the title picture for a while, eventually, because he'd held it so much and everybody was so fucking sick of him that they're like, okay, all right, we're just not going to have him go for a title anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's kind of what I see Roman doing, is just sort or, of... Or the very, very, like, once in a while, he he gets put into the title match, but it's like the special attraction that was it. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, I feel like, where he's at at this point. Um... But yeah, so that was Gunter versus Mustafa Ali. Sidetrack. 
Um, and Gunther did retain the title, so we'll see who is able to dethrone Gunther. In a fantastic showing, we and a surprise upset, we have Asuka defeating Bianca Belair. Somewhat dirty. Um, oh, no, there's, there's not, there's not somewhat dirty. She, she had mist in her hands and put it into the eyes. That was blatant. Well, it's also unsanitary, but <laughs> we're not going to get into that. But we have Oscar upset and dethrone Bianca Belair to become your new SmackDown Raw Women's Champion. Please just change the, the titles. The question I had always had was, you know. Is this the time that Bianca's going to drop the belt? And we had talked about it at Mania. Was that was that the point where she was going to drop the belt to Asuka? The answer was no. Uh, was she going to do it down at um, Backlash? No. This was the time where it's like, yeah, Bianca had to drop the belt at some point. She had run through everyone on Raw. I know that there's been the draft, but it still felt like Bianca needed a little bit of a change. And honestly, even though Asuka had turned heel previously, though they didn't formally announced it, I guess, until she blew the mist into Bianca's face. Asuka needed this win here to be able to carry forward her heel persona. She was already transitioning when she fought the first time and lost. If she had lost again, she would have been Bailey. And we all know what happened when Bailey fought Bianca repeatedly for that title. It just started to become, yeah, she's not going to win. I'm going to take full responsibility. I jinxed this because I talked about it on Thursday that the only reason I could see them changing the title was because it would be a historic moment uh, for WWE and Saudi Arabia because you have not had a women's title, as far as I'm aware, change hands in Saudi. And that would be a big freaking deal for WWE. I know it's changed for other companies, but in terms of WWE making history for themselves, the fact that you have two women of color fighting for the title in Saudi Arabia and you have the title change hands, that's huge. That's way bigger than anybody's making it out to be. Um, so I will say I was surprised that they did it because I didn't think they would, but I'm pleasantly surprised because Asuka deserves the title. Asuka's earned it. Does she need it? No. She's more than got enough accolades, but it's time. I love Bianca. I think Bianca has been a phenomenal champion. I think she has done a wonderful job. She has skyrocketed and she can, she can still continue to be that ambassador for the company that she has turned out to be and that they use her for because she's beyond good at it. She's the EST of it because of course she is. That's what, that's who she is. So you can continue to have her do that role. You, she just won't have a title and you can have Oscar sort of refresh the division. Cause as I mentioned, things had gotten a little bit stale, right? You have these, at least on Bianca's side, she had been a long running champion. She'd been a champion for over a year. She'd run through everybody. There was nothing, there wasn't a challenge really left for her. So it makes complete sense that, yes, you go ahead, change it over, and now you go to Asuka, and you can rehash some things, you can redo some things, you've got new talent coming up. It all makes sense, and you give Bianca a little bit break of a break, have her go do what she's going to do, um, and just go from there. Let's see, I also heard that at one point they were planning an exchange ceremony. I hope that they changed the names of the titles. Um, I just hope that, yeah, I just hope they change the names. Like, you can leave the titles where they are. Just make the Raw title the SmackDown title and the SmackDown title the Raw title. Or just, you know, at one point have somebody just show up with a blue belt and somebody else show up with a red belt. And there's no explanation. It's just they are the Raw Women's Champion and the SmackDown Women's Champion. And that's just it. Um, There are ways, you don't have to do a whole last ceremony. You can just change it and nobody will care. Um, But yeah, so 
This was a fantastic match. I thought this was actually better than their Mania match because oh, yeah. this this had way more build on it. I think the problem with the Mania match was it just it was just sort of there because Asuka had just turned. She just returned. Nobody really knew what she was doing. Nobody really understood it. Now we get it. Now we understand it. It's cool. We like it. So it made sense. You were able to add a little stink on it. So yeah, this was this was a very, very, very good contest. This went 15 minutes, which it didn't feel like 15 minutes, but I enjoy the hell out of this. Yeah, I will say, just on a personal note, I wasn't used to seeing Bianca's braid. I don't know how to describe it. That slightly disheveled? Yeah, it got it got messed with a lot in the match. They were using it a lot. It was well, being grabbed a lot. Even before the match, when she came out, it was like pulled out a bit from the braid. And I know it was kind of a conscious choice, but it just, I'm so used to when she comes out, like tight braid, looks great. With this, it was just, it was weird from the second she came out. I was like, huh. Symbolism of her unraveling? Coming off. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was choices made. I'm not sure they were good choices, but there were choices made. Yeah. But maybe it's symbolism for her unraveling, for the unraveling of her reign. Yeah. I mean, she's held the belt for over a year. She, you know, maybe it just got to be too much. Well, like I said, at some point you want to change, right? And it, it's just from a personal note, in terms of being a champion, you are expected to be the champion 24-7. You are expected to do the mini media interviews. You're expected to do the public appearances and be the face of the company, especially if you are the main champion of that division. And so they were having her do a lot of ambassador work. She's doing a lot of interviews. She's doing a lot of press appearances. She's doing a lot. And she, she has kids. Yeah. And so it's like... At some point, it's like, okay, all right, this has been fun. This has been great. I love it, but I need a break, man. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing with Roman is that Roman is taking a lot of breaks because he has to, yeah, because he needs to. to. Burn, I was going to say, you don't want him to burn out. He's your, he's your top media spokesperson. Now you've got like Cody to help out with some of that, but Roman's still doing all of the major shows. He's still the champion. You know, he's getting into movies. And let's all not forget, man has had leukemia twice. Yeah. And you don't want to run him down because, I mean, let's let's be honest, there are still things out there. And for someone who could be immunocompromised still, or at least have a lesser immune system overall, you don't want to risk him. No, you don't. You really, really, really don't. So we'll see where it goes. They did a nice follow up on Raw. And Stephen LeMann says, I heard Bianca and the Prophets are going to be going heel soon. Maybe. We'll see. Um, I think for now, just have her take a little bit of a break. She can come back for Asuka when she wants to, but let Asuka kind of have a little bit of a run before you point Bianca back at her. Um, and they may put Bianca and the Prophets together, or they may not. Who knows? They kind of tease it. And I understand why they don't do it fully, but maybe they'll maybe they'll have them work together for a while. Maybe they'll have a run as a trio. Yeah, they could. Who knows? Or you have... Bianca and Montez work together. I don't know. Who knows? Um, in a showcase for Rhea Ripley, <laughs> because that's all this was, um, you had Rhea dominate, for lack of a better word, Natty in a one minute, 10 second match for the SmackDown slash, or the Raw slash SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Rhea was accompanied by Dominic. Rhea won. Um, this was nothing. This was just purely a showcase for Rhea. Natty did a wonderful job selling for Rhea. But in the end, Rhea stands victorious. Yeah, they used Dom as the distraction. Uh, 
Natty, happy birthday, by the way. Yes, happy uh, birthday. <laughs> You're gonna lose. But with this, it did exactly what it needed to. You needed Rhea to look strong. And no offense to Natty, Natty can absolutely take this. <laughs> yeah. This isn't going to hurt her at all. She's still a good performer. It's not going to ruin any legacy that she had. But Rhea needed to come out of this looking like a beast. Because that's what she is, and that's what she's being portrayed as. So when Natty gets in there, it needs to be the the semi-truck coming through, and Natty's on the road. Yeah, this is, this is why you take Natty to these events. This is why you book Natty. For stuff like this is because she can take it she can she can handle it perfectly she'll sell it like a million bucks and she will make Rhea look like a boss it's no offense to natty she's very very good at her job it shows a lot of confidence in her to be able to do that because not everybody can do that the fact that natty can go out there she can take a loss like this and she can retain her credibility because it's natty so good job all the way around to everybody involved and the dominating only continued because we had Brock smash as he defeated Cody Rhodes by a technical submission in a singles match. Cody got a little offense in. Like, I was happy Cody got some offense in, but this was just straight up Brock destroy. Yeah, this is, again, going into this match, Brock needed Brock smash. Yeah. Cody got the one up on him. Brock had an angry. Brock took Cody to, you know, pain town on Monday a few times, including taking a keg into his arm. We also got the Kimura, which set the stage for his small fracture in his arm. Yeah. This match is exactly what it needed to be. Cody still got to look, you know, like the gutsy person he is, was able to fight through Brock, fought out of the Kimura, which, no offense, people like Triple H had not been able to at times. But we got we got a little bit of stuff with Brock where we could see, yeah, he's actually a smart guy. When Cody was fighting out of the Kimura, Brock got him into a point where he was sitting there with Cody, where they were both just literally sitting on the mat, and it, it took away Cody's ability to, like, get to the ropes. It took away Cody, Cody's ability to, you know, sit Brock back for a pin. It was a really smart move, and it just kind of gave you those moments where it's like, can Cody actually fight out of this? Right. And he did once! He was able to fight out, and then Brock hooked it in again, and we got, you know, the referee stoppage. Which doesn't hurt Cody because he went in with the broken arm, the referee stopped him because he couldn't continue fighting. This is how you do a referee stoppage, I'm just saying. Yep. Not with not with weak punches on someone who's completely gassed on the mat. But Brock still looks like an animal. Cody has already basically said he wants Brock again. Yeah. He wants to run into the buzzsaw again. <laughs> but it sets it up moving forward where it's like, yeah, you kind of want to see. My only thing, and I've said this before and I will say it again, is I do not want them to lean into Cody being injured as a way to make him an underdog that was the one thing that kind of took away from this for me is oh cody's arm is injured i know it's an old wrestling trope right cody's arm is quote-unquote broken he's wearing a cast you know bob orton and, and the like right when there's the moment that cody's wearing this titanium cast and he can beat brock with the titanium cast right like he can do that because oh it's it's titanium and I can beat Brock with it. You know, it's that kind of stuff, right? It's it's storytelling and it's good storytelling, but for me, they sort of blew the load on that kind of storytelling for Cody with the story with Seth. 
with the Hell in the Cell because it's so infamous um, with the way that they did it, with the way that they showed it, that it's kind of like, um, no, no, that's not how this is going to work. Because we we all know his arm isn't really broken. Right, like you can you can put you can put his arm in a cast, and you can be like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, his arm is totally broken, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like the thing with the peck is we all knew it was real because you looked at his chest, and you could tell it was fucking real, right? And it added that level of gruesomeness to it because you knew it was real, and it took you out of the moment because it was real, right? Like I talked about this when we covered the match, was that for me personally, it actually made me incredibly uncomfortable to watch that match because when he's screaming in pain, it's very likely he's really screaming in pain because... Yeah, when Seth's digging that kendo stick into the purple and red and God only knows what other colors were involved with that part of his peck yeah it's like he's screaming in agony and it's like oh god like it was it was to the point that it was uncomfortable and at least for me that's what triggered with this where they're like oh cody's arm is broken and it's like oh 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 no 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 like it triggered something negative within me hearing that and seeing that and watching that with him because the hell in the cell at least for me had that level of impact that was like he shouldn't be doing this because to me, it's, it sends the wrong message. Like, in the Hell in a Cell, you make the exception because they were, they quite literally had nothing else to go on. They had nothing else that they could do for that match, right? Because he injured his pack on, like, a Thursday or a Friday and the match was on, like, a Sunday. You didn't have the time to pivot. So they just went with it. So in that case, you let it go. But to me, and I said this on Thursday, I feel it sends an incorrect message as well because you're telling wrestlers oh look cody's so brave because he's wrestling hurt and we were talking about the undertaker right earlier and we talk about the amount of surgeries that he had had and mcfoley and all the other old school guys who they worked hurt and now they're paying the consequences of that now we're seeing people like taker who've had to have like what 26 or 30 surgeries to compensate for the fact that they've worked hurt or they went for too long and that's that's to me for for saying oh cody's so brave because he's working hurt that's a bad message it's like cody shouldn't be doing this but cody can't be stopped i feel like it's a slightly better message but i don't feel like they should do it at all at least with him well and i i think the fact that it's brock is the reason why this was you i don't think you would have done this story with seth again i don't think you would have done this with carrion even i think because it was brock and brock smash the way that you make it, the way that you save Cody, in a sense, is yes, you do injure him. You let Brock exploit it. You have Cody try to fight through it. But unfortunately, the hill is too high this time for him to climb, and he just, his body just gives out. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could have told the story by having Brock break the arm, which is essentially what they sort of did, is you have cody pass out in the kimura and that's and that's how you ended the match which was a really good finish because cody didn't tap and he didn't get pinned he just got choked out which that's great because then you couldn't have cody come back and be like i didn't lose you didn't pin me let's go a third time and that is how you do and this or i should say this is how you do 50 50 booking this is how you do it right here where you have cody get one you have Brock get one, and it all comes down to that third match, which technically should be a rubber match between the two. 
and you go to the level of like an unsanctioned or a cage match or something else where this where everything's on the line where the stakes are on the line and cody cody has to overcome brock and overcome his freshly you know his injured arm and everything else that he has like cody has to overcome and brock just has to win so there's some really 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 good storytelling going on in this um and like we said Brock won. Very, very, very solid showing. And when you want to talk about storyline or storytelling, let's <laughs> let's let's talk some storytelling because this did my little fan heart so good. They did me so right with this match. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on the bloodline of Roman Reigns and Solo Sokolo with Paul Heyman. This was for your undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. Jesus Christ, this match. Oh god, this match. Not just even the match, the intros. I love the fact that, you know, Sammy gets to come out in a place that is so meaningful to him. Yes, I understand he's Syrian, but he's still in the, you know, in the land of his people and, you know, there's the shot, I don't know if people saw this on social media. Sammy talked about the fact it's like he's been able to go everywhere in the world. He's been able to just travel the world all over. But they had a picture of him at Mecca. Yeah. And you can tell it meant the world to him to be able to be there. It's it's so deeply meaningful to be able to visit that holy site. And it's like when he got to when he got to the press conference that Friday morning, well Friday morning here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in front of the people and hearing them cheer for the fact it's the first time he's been there because he hadn't been to any of the other Saudi shows. No, because he wasn't going in protest because of the relations with Syria and the fact that things had finally improved enough between the two nations that Sammy was comfortable going. Because that was also, I think, why Kevin yeah, wouldn't Kevin go. Kevin sat out for his friend. Yeah, they would not go. So the fact that they did actually go was huge. And yes, it was... It was amazing to see the picture of Sammy in front of Mecca and the fact that he was finally able to do the the pilgrimage, similar to Mustafa Ali, who got to go over um, and do the press stuff before they went and they had pictures of him at Mecca. I think, I want to say it was during Ramadan. Or no, not during Ramadan. Um, Crap, it's not coming to mind right now, but I think it was during one of the festivals that he was actually able to go. Was it Ramadan? Hold on. I'm trying to remember. And it's late and my brain doesn't work when it's when it's late. No, I think it was. I think it was during Ramadan that he got to go. Um, but still, it's it's a huge moment for Sammy. It's a huge moment for Kevin. But it's so meaningful in the fact that you had Sammy come out in the traditional dress with the intro, with the people cheering for him. It was just a really, really, really cool moment for him. And for Kevin. Of course for Kevin. And, but- and being able to do the announcements in the language it's like you had paul Heyman do his usual intro you know giving the rub to solo sokoa and the tribal chief and then sammy starts to do it and you just see roman have on the look on his face like are we really doing this shit yes we're really doing this let me have this yeah. <laughs> deal with it we're doing it but yeah no and the fact that roman put them both over was just tremendous but yeah the match itself was fine it was good. There was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of rooms. We had a couple table spots. Nobody cares about that. Because what we have to talk about is the end of the match. Where the Usos show up. And the Usos, in theory, try to help. But things get a little hairy. 
Because, well, things don't go to plan. Roman gets in Jimmy's face and pushes Jimmy away. And then Roman starts to go for Jay. Starts pushing Jay around by his head. And starts, you know, laying into Jay. And Jimmy's had enough of Roman's shit. And super kicks Roman in the face. And then they proceed to, I guess, accidentally super kick Solo. And then... The, the kick to Roman is after it, they first hit Solo. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because it was one super kick to Sammy, two super kicks to Sammy. They went for the double, and Sammy just dropped, and that's when Solo got hit and went boom back against the ropes. And that's why and Roman just, got in their face. Yeah, that's when Roman got in there and was just, "What are you doing here? I told you to stay away." And. Yeah, that's when he pie faces Jimmy, and Jay comes up to grab Roman's arm to be like, no, we're trying to help you, we're, you know, we were doing what we thought you wanted, and Roman sold this beautifully with his face when he looked down at Jay's hand on him, and like smacks it away and goes, why are you touching? Completely playing on, you know, the mental beatdown that he's been putting on Jay for years now. Yeah. And then, yeah, after that, that's when Jimmy loses his shit and finally hits the kick heard around the world. And you saw on his face, it was just manic. Oh, he sold it beautifully, and so did Jay. Because you see it in Jay's face, where it's like, as you meant, the, the just the mental abuse and the physical abuse that Roman has laid on Jay for years you see him playing that where you see just this moment of just sheer delight of seeing Roman get kicked in the face and seeing his brother stand up for him and stand up for them. And Jay's almost like, fuck, what do I do? Fuck, what do we do? Fuck, fuck, fuck. He had had that kind of like conflictedness as we saw a little bit with Sammy. Yeah. Like, you know, at this point, it's like, this is my, my own blood. It's like, Roman, Roman is family, but he's a cousin. Number one, we've kicked our own brother. And two, I'm like, I have to stand up for my brother here. But it's like, oh my God, what have we done? And I like the fact that Jimmy is tell is grabbing him and telling him, like, we had to do this. You know, like, it's time. We put up with shit. It's, you know, he's had this coming. And that's when he hits him with the second one. Yes, that was beautiful. Where Jay's trying to stop him and Jimmy's like, nah, nah. Because again, I keep talking about this where I want them to go back to 2020 and I want them to talk about how this all started and the fact that this all started with Roman forcing Jay into the bloodline and then Jimmy coming to Jay's rescue and Jimmy failing and the two of them having to work with Roman because he made them. And then we had the evolution of the bloodline from there where things were going really well and it wasn't so bad and they were winning titles and they were making money and they were getting fame and all these things, right? All these great things. And then Solo comes along and Solo doesn't have to suffer the same indignities that they had to suffer. And then Sammy comes along. Sammy doesn't necessarily have to suffer the same indignities that they had to suffer. And Jimmy and Jay are like, hold the fuck up. Let's talk about this. And Roman's like, nah, no, Paul, deal with it. And then they lose. And then they fall out of favor. And then they're trying to get back in favor. And things just continue to decline to the point that Solo is willing to turn on his own brothers 
for the sake of Roman. Like, Solo's that hard in that he's willing to beat up his own brothers for the sake of Roman. All Roman has to do is give the word. And Solo will attack them. And it's like, no, no, we're done. We're done with this. We're not doing this. And I loved the consistency. I loved how this was sold. I loved how this was done. I loved everything about this, right? Because in truth, all of us are tired of Sammy and Kevin versus the bloodline. And this was the end of it. Because now what we're going to see is the implosion of the bloodline. And what are Jimmy and Jay going to do? Because you know that Jay is going to get roped in with Jimmy for this. Because Jay didn't necessarily do anything to stop this. And again, this is where I want them to start to go back to 2020. This is where I want Roman to look at Jay and be like, we had a deal. You lose, you work for me. End of discussion. And I think the same deal applies to Jimmy. I don't remember quite if Jimmy joined willingly or not. Jimmy, the thing was, um, if I remember correctly, so Jay lost and he had to acknowledge Roman and join the bloodline. Yeah. Jimmy came along later because of the injury, and it's like he had been beat down as part of the Hell in a Cell, which is what got Jay to lose the match. I remember them throwing in a towel. Somebody throwing in a towel for somebody else. And I want to say it was Jay throwing in a towel for Jimmy. Like, like Roman was just... Because I remember that when Jay came back, he and Roman fought because Jimmy... Uh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy was trying to help Jay. And in the end... Jimmy failed, and I think it was Jay threw in the towel for Jimmy to save yeah, Jimmy. Right. Yeah, the later match it was, because at first it was, Jimmy still had the knee injury, and Roman had put him in the guillotine, because I remember Jay was screaming about it. Um, and then, yeah, I want to say at one point, uh, I can't rem- I think I remember this, it's like, yeah, Roman had, like, something in, and one of them had to throw the towel. So, I don't think jimmy ever formally had to be like you know i lost i'm with it i think it was just the fact of like jay was pulled in and jay kind of because i remember jimmy was more happy-go-lucky about the bloodline and jay had to kind of not keep him in line but it was more like you know nah nah dog we're we're going with him like come on we're we're, we're going so the fact of if jimmy is the one to crack first it makes sense because he can look back and say something like I never agreed to this. I went with you. Yeah. You were the one, you know, you're my brother. I was there to protect you and to be with you. I saw how bad he's been treating you for a long time, and it finally snapped me. And then you can you can play up some more of this anguish of Jay being like, you know, like his friend, the person who he accepted into the bloodline eventually, pointed out Roman's problems. His brother is pointing out Roman's problems until finally Jay just has enough and he's like, I'm done and just goes after Roman himself. Well, I think there's been a subtle acknowledgement of the Ro- of Roman's problems with Jay. And I think it was with Sammy where you had the really, again, subtle storytelling of Jay's realization, right, that this is going on. But the thing is, is Jay is trapped at that point. He can't get out because his brother's going to stop him. Both of his brothers can stop him. Like, Jimmy can be like, hey, look, yada, 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 you know, whatever to convince him to stay. We're family. We're blood. He's nothing. Like, Sammy's nothing, right? It's not that bad. He hasn't been treating you that bad. But since they lost the titles, Roman has been especially difficult, 
especially with Jay and Jimmy. So it's like when they're on top, it's fine. Rome's not too, too crazy. But now that they've lost the title, Roman's back to his old ways again, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's to the point that it's now impacting Jimmy. It's not just Jay. It's spreading to Jimmy as well. And Jimmy is beginning to feel what Jay has been feeling probably for a long time, but hasn't been able to speak up, because again, he was really the only target. And everybody else was like, nah, man, as long as it's, as long as we're on top, it's cool right? Because that's how it was going. Roman would every once in a great while, but otherwise it was fine. So that's, so we've had the acknowledgement, I think, by Jay of Roman's treatment, but now it's coming from Jimmy, where Jimmy's going, this is enough, right? Because I think, I'm trying to remember, Jimmy never really disagreed with Sammy's assessment that, hey, Roman's kind of treating you like shit. Yeah, like I said, Jimmy's been, I think Jimmy has just kind of been along for the ride the whole time. It was, oh yeah, yeah. we've been here and yeah, we've been the champions. But at the same time, I think now you can start to look back and be like, Roman never helped us. No. We've had to help Roman. We've been carrying this whole time. Right. Roman gets, Roman gets in trouble and he needs us. Where was he? to help us at any point he wasn't there and that's how that's how you can set this up moving forward where it's like you've got the usos now who are gonna start like you know we've been with each other since day one we have each other's back and then they can look at solo and be like you're our brother how long until he does this to you yeah like you're his right hand person for now he was and and point at jay he was the right-hand person for all, you know, for years. And look at how he got treated. Look what happened when Roman thought he wasn't useful anymore. What happens when it's your turn? And you you start to plant the seeds of does Solo turn on Roman or does Roman turn on Solo? I think Roman turns on Solo. Just because you have the Usos, because it's a little bit too predictable to have Solo turn. So you have Roman go go after solo basically eliminate the threat before it can get him because then it because now it's becoming roman survival mode right like right like the walls are beginning to close in on him and he's about to get his comeuppance for everything he's ever done in the last three years of being champion you know the treatment of his cousins his behavior in general just all of it and the usos have turned the usos are walking away and now all he has is solo and solo's dangerous because solo is willing to hurt his brothers and Solo's sitting there looking at those titles going, you know, it'd be pretty sweet to be the one at the top. And Solo could take Roman. He could give him a good fight. question is, yeah. can Solo beat Roman? Well, and that plays into Kevin saying he's not ready. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he can't be ready by, oh, let's say WrestleMania next year? Because what would be really, really, really interesting to me and funny and a good way to use it is you have solo win money in the bank roman thinks it's a protection roman thinks it's a protection he's got the money in the bank nobody can challenge him right except roman gets paranoid and he gets more and more paranoid especially as the feud with the usos continues because what's solo thinking what's solo gonna do the other side of it is solo wins the royal rumble solo's not gonna cash in on me 
he's going to go for somebody else. He's going to go for whoever the Raw champion is at the time, right? And then Solo walks up and looks at Rome and is like, bitch, let's go. I can take you. Like, it's that it's that kind of storytelling that you can do with Solo. And that's how you finally in the bloodline, because I keep saying it. Roman will not lose the titles until the bloodline is completely gone, until he doesn't have Heyman anymore, until he doesn't have his cousins anymore, until he's finally at last on his own. Because then he's truly vulnerable. That's how Roman has stayed champion, is not through his own wits and grit. It's for the fact that he's had backup this whole time. So in order for him to lose, he's going to have to lose that backup. One, I would take what you're saying, but I'd change the timeline a little bit. I would have Solo face Roman at Rumble. Because what you can do is you can have... You can have Solo win the money in the bank, and he's, you know, and he'll stand there next to Roman holding the briefcase with his arms folded, and Roman can talk all about, you know, I, you know, I'm protected now. And I would say what you can do is Roman can even talk about the fact of, like, if anything ever happens to me, like, someone happens to get a fluke win, I know Solo will give me that case, and it's only a matter of time till I get the title back. And that's when you can have Solo kind of look at him a little bit and be like, excuse me yeah like no my like my name is on the contract he doesn't have to say anything it's just the look he can give or just that subtle kind of like head turn realizing that it's like yeah roman's just going to use him just like he did his brothers yep until and i think there's a moment you could also do where like roman gets knocked down or he gets you know he gets brocked in a sense and he's just laying there and solo can just stand there and kind of look at that briefcase for a second and you just play it up for all the fans of like would he cash in? And maybe he doesn't at that moment, but Roman sees the look. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, oh no, I may not have control of this anymore. And that's when, like you said, the paranoia kicks in. And that final fracture starts to take place. Yep. This is so good! <laughs> yeah. This is this is one of the things I like about the way they've done this, is there's so many different little paths you can do still with this storyline and it makes you eager to be like, ooh, what are they going to choose? That's what makes some of this kind of stuff exciting. I mean, there's other times you see a storyline, you're like, okay, yeah, they're going from here to here to here. We know where it's going to end. With this, there's still a little bit of like, how are they going to play this? You know, how long is Roman and Solo going to work? You know, how long are, you know, does it take the Usos to fully fracture out? Is it they're already gone and, okay, now we're going to do the tag match and then, yeah, you plant the seeds of Solo is it Roman tries to pull someone back in? You know, there's so many different ways you can still go. And that's, like I said, what's really exciting about it. Yeah. And the $64,000 question is Heyman and what Heyman does. Cause I could actually see Heyman sort of like walk away from solo and start to go for, or walk away from Roman and go for solo. Oh yeah. Solo's the up and comer. He's been with Roman forever as, you know, the advocate, but we all know Paul Heyman goes where the wind blows. Yeah, yeah. He 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 knows where his bread is buttered. Because he can always go back to Brock. But I think it's more interesting that Heyman's like, Yeah, no, I'm 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 gonna go with solo. Yeah. And that's that's where it starts. Because Heyman starts going with solo more than he goes with Roman. But that does it, I think, for Night of Champions. Um, like I said, very good show, very good follow up to the show. Curious to see where they go from here as we build to the next pay per view, which is Money in the Bank. So We'll see. So, Brent, do you have housekeeping? Uh, yes, I do have housekeeping. So, we have our every 
premium live event or pay-per-view on this network, we do pick them. So I'm going to go over the results. For this one, we had 13 people or entities participating. I shouldn't say people because in 13th place, the only one sub 500 at 3 and 4, it is the wheel. Yay, we beat the inanimate object. Woo! Tied for 7th place at 4 and 3. So we did five. We, we got better than 500. Uh, and I say we because that includes me. Uh, the eight ball, Rob, Sub, Sheila, and Chris P. I did as well as an inanimate object. I'm proud of you. Tied for fourth place, going five and two, we have Tim, Tommy, and our resident AEW expert, Lindsay Ward. I hate you. <laughs> Hey, you said I could be on the show and you knew this was coming. Because, also, let me just announce that the very next night, she tied for first on AEW. I should not tie for first on a show I do not watch. This is slander. This is slander. I will not have it. So next up, we have tied for second place at 6-1. and one, Derek B. and uh, the, the guy with no power right now. Okay. Sorry. Um, And then going 7-0 and oh for Night of Champions. Although, I, I will say that he did get one thing wrong. Hmm. Was Keishi Matsunaga. Go Keishi! I acknowledge now, you. The thing he got wrong was Asuka did use two miss in her match. And he said that she would use two miss. He did. He got the color wrong. Well, that's okay. It was blue and then he said black. And we, we all saw when she spit into her hand and then rubbed her hand. It was a nice dark blue. So, good job, Keishi. 7-0, maybe with a tiny asterisk, but still 7-0. Good job, Keishi. Good job. So with that, we're going to go so you have stuff to plug, so you plug your stuff. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at Kittens. That's where I put my internet ramblings at. Uh, You may see me talking about WWE, other wrestling companies, things along those lines. Um, There may be some other stuff coming maybe at the end of the summer possibly we have to see how things play out but i will let you all know about that you can also find me on saturday nights on cb radio doing the interns corner and doing the uh, greater than great debate reading off all the jokes or names or whatever the hell myself and rock decide to come up with and god knows why and i'm also on wtr sunday nights on this network ding <laughs> hey i've been on the network long enough i've learned how to plug stuff so but Lizzie, you have stuff to plug. I have stuff to plug. I'm going to try to do the plug. So Saturday nights, as Brent mentioned, we do Fortnite with Friends sometimes. So check us out. It's about 9.30 p.m. Eastern-ish. Um, and then followed by that, we have CB Radio at 11.30 p.m.-ish. Or midnight as close as they can get it. Um, so tune in for that Sunday night at about 10 p.m. Eastern. They have Wrestle Talk Radio Monday night directly after Monday Night Raw. Rock and I talk about Monday Night Raw at 11pm Eastern uh, and then Thursday night we are back for the rack right here at 10pm Eastern you can also check me out on Twitter at Lensboard LNSWD this is my personal Twitch channel twitch.tv slash Lensboard you hear about it a lot please give the channel a follow if you enjoy the content I would appreciate it I do stream Genshin Impact I do stream Honkai Star Rail um, but I'm interested in trying out other things so if there are other games please no horror games that you want me to try I would be happy to try them but for now those are my main games that I play. And occasionally, when Brock's power goes out, I will stream the rack right here on this channel. So please, give it a follow. 
Uh, you can also follow me over on YouTube, youtube.com slash at someone or just look for Linsward on YouTube. There will be review content coming very quickly because uh, Honkai Star Rail just dropped the trailer, so I have to uh, revive it. Um, I can take a look at the Diablo. I've never played it, so I'm not familiar with the title at all. Um, but I can take a look at it and see. Uh, it just depends if it would be something I'd be interested in playing or not. Um, but yeah, so you can check me out all, all there. Please like, subscribe, ring the bell on the um, YouTube channel. You can also use my creator code, Lens in Ward, in the Genshin, Genshin Impact Store, Fortnite Item Shop, or Epic Game Store, because I am a hashtag Epic Partner. You can also use creator code Rock and Sock in those shops as well, because Rock is an Epic Partner, and you can follow him at Wild Talk Radio. Um, so for Brent, I'm Lindsay Ward. You've been listening to Rock right here on my channel, twitch.tv slash Ward. Um, and I appreciate that. Also, go check out Matt, youtube.com slash mbg1211 um, for mbg films. Um, but for Brent, this has been The Rack. For me, this has been The Rack, and I'll see you later. Bye!